because attitude is everything. It starts with the way you talk to yourself, the way you encourage yourself, because that's what you're gonna emanate out there in the world. More money, more problems, so true, okay? And the other thing is, money doesn't change you. If you're a dick when you're poor, you're gonna be a dick when you're rich. Build a fucking empire, guys. And that's smash it. the old, old family, anything behind you, and smash it and make a difference. Make a difference in this world. If you're not changing the world on a daily basis, what the fuck are you doing? I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. For those of you listening, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this episode. I know you're going, girl, girl, where have you been? You took like a week or two off. What are you doing? Well, I was getting my fitness on. I was getting my health and wealth going. And I was like, I'm coming back with this episode with Dr. Rob Kelly. Y'all don't even know. Just Google it and you'll figure out why I'm like going crazy right now. So <laughs> I'm not going, going to steal his thunder because his story is tremendous. I will say a few things though. Dr. Rob Kelly is an addiction expert. So you can only imagine the kinds of things that we're going to talk to you today, talk about today, whether it is you, whether it is someone you know, whether it's a colleague, a friend, maybe even a family member, we all have experienced in our lives someone who may struggle with some kind of addiction, whether that's alcohol, whether it's drugs, there's all kinds of other addictions. We, we don't have to list them all. I know in my personal experience, I've had uh, partners who have suffered tremendously with alcohol, have gone to AA, have done the things that they need to do, and sometimes relapse, and it's a whole journey. Um, and Rob is no stranger to it. Uh, and today, I mean, he's been on The Doctors, he's been on many podcasts, many shows, and he helps people not just, and I love your motto because it really is about stepping out, mm. stepping out and finding the solution. And one of my favorite things is it's that when you say, you know, it's not the drinking, it's the thinking that that really is what needs to be focused on. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And you look amazing, by the way. Thank you thank so you. much for having me. I did my kickboxing class, so I yes, have like, glow today. Oh. Boom! I mean, my muscles are not, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, they're not quite yet like Dr. Rob Kelly's, but you know, I will get there, I promise. But, um, okay, so the only way to start our conversation is to go back to before you were helping people you needed help. You were in a place of your life, and I want you to tell your story. 
Of course, yeah. Uh, hey guys, my name is Dr. Rob Kelly, uh, specializing in addiction, childhood trauma, depression, all that great stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I, I, I was a chronic alcoholic. You know, I couldn't stop drinking and lost everything. So it all started for me. Uh, I was born into a musical family with my auntie and uncle. So by the age of nine, I was actually playing on stage semi-professionally, which means Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. We'd go out and uh, we'd get paid. And my auntie and uncle was awesome. So I would just stand in the background playing the bass guitar. But I remember we played one, one uh, particular, it was in Liverpool, by the way, uh, in England, where the Beatles come from. And I'm on stage and they open the curtains for us to start our set. There were so many people there. Oh my God, I freaked out. And I, I missed some notes and I was nervous and I, it was just a mess. So we get us off stage and we're ready to go on for the second set. And I said to my uncle, I don't think I'll go on it. I'm, I've got stage fright. Even at the age of nine, I knew what that was. Anyway, he gave me a beer, give me one of these little beers and I drank it and my whole life just changed right there. And then. You see, alcoholism is in my family. It's a predisposition, by the way. Alcoholics are born and drug addicts are made. I'll explain that later. So yeah, I mean, going through life, high school, every weekend I drink alcohol. And, you know, alcoholism is a progressive illness, so it always gets worse. It never gets better. And that's what happened to me. You know, I was lucky enough to go to college. So I got to college, drank my way through college. Uh, and then uh, wanted to be a famous musician, obviously, but never quite made it to that named musician. Uh, I missed out on a few bands that become famous because of my drinking, didn't turn up for auditions and stuff like that. But I left college uh, drinking like crazy and I joined the police force. And I only joined the police force because the Freemasons Lodge that I belonged to at the time supposed to be 18. I was only 15 when they asked me because I was the only organ player in Manchester apparently at that time that was free. Uh, so I joined them, got into university and then, uh, you know, found people that drank like me, which was awesome. Probably for the first couple of months and everyone went home and studied for exams and I was just drinking until two o'clock in the morning, then coming home and banging lines of cocaine to keep me awake and I was going to school and that was just you know, day in, day out. And obviously, there's obviously a burning point where you had to get to. Uh, but yeah, I, I lasted a couple of months in the, uh, in the police force and they fired me for being drunk on duty. And my sergeant called me an alcoholic. Well, that, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so offended to call me an alcoholic. So I went home to tell my mom and dad because I was living there. And uh, I didn't even think about the embarrassment that has caused the family of being getting fired. Uh, I was just couldn't believe they called me an alcoholic. Uh, and of course, later on, as I went through life, it became apparent that uh, I was drinking too much alcohol, but I didn't know about the disease. I didn't know. I just thought I, I can control it. I can control it. Eventually left to married, kids, you know, nice cars, million dollars first came in, bought the million dollar house, all this stuff. And then boom, it hit me full blown. So we'll go into more detail, but I, just as a preemptive to the story we're going to tell, uh, I lost my kids. I lost my wife, I lost my houses, my practice, my cars, my holiday homes, everything. And I ended up on the streets homeless. Now, when I say I was homeless, I don't mean couch surfing. I mean, I was living under trees. I was begging, I was stealing, I was hurting people for money just so I could drink alcohol. I stayed on there 14 months and still didn't think I had a drinking problem. I just thought it was bad news. 
You know, the authorities took my children off me at the age of one and three, my two daughters. That was 30 odd years ago and I've never seen my youngest daughter ever since they took them off me. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So you went from million dollar home to under the trees. Yes. Living under the trees. How does that happen? You know, I remember my first night on the streets because my dad threw me out. So when everything was split up, my wife changed the locks and everything went to my mom and dad. They, they lasted, I lasted with them about four or five days and they had to throw me out because my drinking was absolutely insane. I smashed one of the guitars against their wall, their, their living room wall, and it broken and they were scared. So my dad threw me out. I hated that man for that, by the way, for years and years. But we, we don't know as alcoholics uh, what damage we cause. We, we, we infect, we're like a disease. We infect our families, we infect our parents, we infect our children. I affected everybody. I'm like a contagious, I affected everybody I came into contact with, but I didn't know it at the time. You know, yeah. my eldest daughter, four years ago, she got in touch by the way, and now she works for me as my lead therapist in Manchester office, which is amazing. But I didn't know the damage. She still sees a counselor today for the damage that I did. And I have to take responsibility for that. I have to take ownership of that. That yes, I was a disease, but no, I should have seeked proper help early. So I remember being on the streets and saying to myself, if I ever, by the way, 97% of people on the streets in Manchester, England, die on the streets. If I ever get off the streets, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life helping people with alcoholism, addiction, cake, food, sex, porn, whatever it is, and their families, because what we found, we've done loads of studies and research, and some of the stuff I'm gonna to say today, go, oh, well, that's not right. Believe me, it's right. 30 odd years of research studying. Nobody else studies the alcoholic brain like we do. Now they mm -hmm. might study addiction, but alcoholic brain, they, they, they've never, never studied to what we do. But I'm like a rampage today. You know, I don't care. I got no one to answer to. Mm -hmm. Who the hell have I got to answer to? It's like, I, I say what people are thinking. I don't, what are you gonna do? What are you going to do if I say something I don't agree with? Walk outside with me? I doubt you're going to win that battle, even at the age of 61. You're not going to lose, you're going to lose that battle. So, you know, I live my life today as if I don't care. You know, your, your, your comments, well, there's only two people out there don't really like what I do, but the odd comment a couple of times a year, you know, that doesn't pay my mortgage. So until it pays my mortgage, I'm going to take no, no, uh, no, no looking at them, uh, them comments and then haters out there because I learned one thing. There's no hater doing better than you. You'll not find one hater that's doing better than you. You know, so I live a life crazy today. I really do. I love it. I love it. I love what you do. I love the crazy colors you wear and how you do the treatment in your facility because, you know, as you've talked about and watching your, your content is that recovery is hard but it can you and you can infuse fun into the experience as people are transitioning into you know that transformation of this other version of themselves that they're still figuring out you know so basically you were like a tornado that went through and there were remnants of the things that you find so what's the turning point you're 14 months you're living under trees how do you wake up one day and go i'm going to live life differently well, I got a preemptive answer with my choir master, stroke headmaster, stroke uh, vicar at my uh, school when I was six, seven, eight, molested me on several occasions. 
so I want to say that out, out the box because I didn't believe in God or anything like that. And I'd not believe in so ever anything. Don't you mention that stuff to me. Uh, because that time in my life, which went on to affect all my life, obviously, called childhood trauma. By the way, that's the gateway drug, childhood trauma. Uh, I was walking in the business side of Manchester, the, what we call the back end of Manchester, businesses and factories, nobody there. Monday morning around 2 a.m. in the morning, 3 a.m. It's pouring down with rain. I'm just starting with the craving, need more alcohol. And I dropped down to my hands and knees and I started to cry from my stomach like a baby. It was, my stomach was aching. I looked, I looked, the rain was pouring on my head. Every time I looked down with my tears and the rain, it was hitting the pebble stones uh, and turning purple. And I'm sat there. Now, here's the interesting part, guys. I wasn't crying because I'd lost my children or my wife or my house or my money. My parents, my brother and sister wouldn't speak to me. I was crying because the first time in my life I realized I couldn't stop drinking. And it took all of that for me to realize. I looked up to the sky and I said this. If there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. 30 seconds-ish later, a guy walked around the corner with a little Bible in his hand. He said, do you want help? And I'm, I'm like, I didn't see you even coming. So I said, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, I'm dying. This is after, this is after five um, suicide and two of them worked. I was actually dead and they brought me back to life. Hated them guys for that. On the side of an old smelly, rainy, crazy road in Manchester. But this guy took me back to his house and he said, I'm an alcoholic. I'm in recovery. You can stay as long as you want. And that's where my journey started. So a stranger. Yep. Oh, and it gets more crazier than that. There's, let me tell you, it gets more crazier than that. That's just, you know, oh, yeah. Oh my God. So, so, of events. so, so get this, guys. I would never tell for 15, 20 years. I would never say this story because I didn't want to be, you know, looked down as being crazy. But the things I've done are not, are not humanly possible. Uh, that's what I would say. It's not humanly possible. So he took me to this AA meeting, which I hated. You know, I've been there before. A load of crap. People talking, you know, how much they drink and all war stories and stuff. So but I sat there because it was a free bed for as long as I went to the meetings. So I'm sat in this meeting with him, thinking which is the quickest way out to get to the liquor store, to, to, to steal vodka, drink it, get back in the hall without him noticing and sit right back next to him. And I thought the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, the window was this big. I tried to squeeze out of that and I couldn't do it. So I was really pissed at the time. So I went back, sat down and just waited. This guy called John said, my name's John, I'm a recovered alcoholic. And I went, Derek, what did he, he said recovered? What does that mean? You can't say that in here. And he talked about this book and he talked about God and he, he talked about how alcoholics can do anything. So I went out to him after the meeting and I said, John, my name's Rob, would you sponsor me? And he said, no. Just before the ground opened and swallowed me because I never asked for help, he said, I'll be your spiritual advisor for a period of 12 weeks. So I said, what do I have to do? He said, bring the big book, bring a dictionary. I said, I went to Oxford University. I don't need a dictionary. He said, bring a dictionary. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., I think, or 8 p.m., I can't remember now, I'd walk around to his house for an hour. I'd get there, and I left at 6, got there for 7, spent him till 8, walked back till 9. So I spent an hour every Wednesday for 12 weeks with him. And I knew when I finished that, that if I continued to do his program, I'd never drink ever again. But... I didn't know at the time that alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism, the same with any addiction. 
You know, it's, it's just a symptom. It's not what's going on here. So I stayed the 12 weeks. I come home. He said to me, by the way, he said, listen, when we finished the 12 weeks on the last day, it was a Sunday. And he said, because we've just finished the steps, he said, your life's going to change from tomorrow. And I said, John, I love you and thank you for everything you've done. But I'm in a basement at Derek's house on a blow up mattress. Nobody knows I'm there. So I think you're wrong with this one. I went back home. I slept well. Next day I got up, started cleaning the house. That was kind of my, my give back to Derek. And Derek came home at about 11 o'clock. And I, oh my God, what's happened? He said, Rob, there's a part-time job sweeping the floors in the factory. Do you want it? I said, yes, I'll take it. That job turned into a full-time job a week later. A couple of weeks later than that, somebody gave me a car. It was a mini that I could get to work and back with Derek. And um, when I got my first pay packet, it, was, it used to be cash stapled to an envelope. And I went to the gas station and I bought John a little teddy bear and a card. And I said, thank you, John, for introducing me to God. He took the compulsion away to drink and I walked back to that man's house. This is where it gets crazy. So I'm changing the world. I'm changing people. I've got knowledge that nobody else has and people are recovering. People are getting well when I sit down with them doing book studies and all sorts of stuff. But when I get to his house, it looked empty. So I knocked on the door and I thought he must have just taken his drapes down or something. And the next door neighbor to the right, she came to the door and she says, can I help you, love? And I said, yeah, where's John moved to? And she said, John. I said, yeah, John here. There's been no in that apartment for three months that I know of. I moved in three months ago. I've never seen anybody in there. So I let her close the door and I went to the left-hand side and I knocked on the door. A bit harder now because now I'm like, what's going on? This guy came to the door, big guy. I said, where's John relocated to? And he said, John. I thought, why keep people keep saying it? I said, John, next door. And he said, oh, you got the wrong address. I said, I've not got the wrong address. I've been coming here for 12 weeks. And he said, and I quote, that apartment is derelict. There's no flooring. You, you can't actually go in. You can't go in. There used to be tape outside warning people you can't go in. You have the wrong address. So I'm, you know, confused. So the next day I went back to the meeting where I'd been three months ago, three or four months ago, and the same chairman was there. And I said, hey, Billy. He went, oh, Rob. I said, you remember me? He said, yeah, I remember you. How's it going? I said, great, but I need, I need a question. I met this guy called John. He said he was recovered. We went over near the coffee machine. We're having coffee for about 30, 40 minutes, and we're talking to him. Do you know where I can find you? And he looked puzzled, and he said, Rob, you were over near the coffee machine speaking to yourself for 30 minutes. Never found that man. What? And when I got wealthy, because, hey, I work hard, guys, so I'm wealthy. You can have anything you want in the world, by the way. We'll get into that later. But, yeah, I put a private detective on when, when I was uh, when I moved to Dallas. I, I got a Manchester private detective. It cost me a fortune to trace down this guy, and nobody could find him. Are you kidding? Well, the stuff he taught me is what I, what I use today, you know, in part of my program. And uh, we have a 97% success rate with over 8,000 people over 30 years. So we're doing something right. And all thanks is to God and John and everybody else that helps us get here. That's a transformation. Yes. That's a transformation if I've ever heard and seen one. It's it's to the point where I want to use the word miraculous. Yes. Really. I mean, just everything you lost and then everything you gained really <laughs> is tremendous. Right. And I think that's the testament. That's the testament because I think there's people right now listening and they could be in that spot where they're feeling lost and at a loss. 
100 because they're on the upturn. And there's loads of people out there feeling that. And I always say to these guys, listen, guys, or girls, if you're sat at home and you're feeling that place where nobody cares, you're never going to amount to anything, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. We are born with million-dollar minds. Why are you hanging around 10-cent minds all your life? Because of parents, because of caregivers. Oh, you can't go to college. Well, you can't do that job. Don't be so stupid. Yet they killed us. Babies are born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That's all. The rest are man-made. Wait till your father gets home. Oh, my God, you can't do that, Rob. Really? Fucking really? You know, they're putting the brakes on my imagination, so I follow through learned behavior. Let me explain what learned behavior is, guys. It's things we take out of our caregivers going forward. Little comments, behaviors, anything we, we, we pick up is mirrored in our adult life, and you can't always correlate the both we did an experiment once and we're not the first people to do this guys we heard about it so we did it we got a thousand fleas and we stuck them in a huge mason jar and we screwed the cap on and we punched holes to make sure they could breathe now fleas can jump three or four feet as we know we left the lid on for three days and then we took the lid off not one flea jumped higher than where the lid the cap was which was interesting because they tried once and failed so when it was taken off, they wouldn't jump higher because they know they'd fail. But what was more interesting, this is learned behavior, is that the babies they had in that jar wouldn't jump higher than where the lid was. And they had never even seen the lid. And that's what we do with our lives. We want to copy what our parents do. So if, if my dad, he didn't, but if my dad come home and he would hit my mom because he was drunk, I'm taking that into my relationships. I'm attracting through energy the girl I can manipulate, get drunk and hit. It's learned behavior and enmeshment we carry forward. And the easiest way to explain this is the girl that always comes to me and says, Dr. Rob, why do I keep attracting the same guy that ends up being an alcoholic and beats me? What was your dad like? Oh, you see what happened to that poor girl is she's seen violence in the home. She's seen getting drunk as becoming normal. She's scared, okay? Whether the door racks or whether dad puts a key in depends if he's drunk or not, if they're gonna get beaten or not. And they stay in that freeze. So what happens is the woman leaves and attracts them people, always attracts them people. And the one, two cases they don't, they meet the guy that takes care of her financially and everything. She'll sabotage that relationship to go back to mm -hmm. what they feel comfortable. The cycle, self-sabotage. Yeah. And, and that's so true. And I think trauma is, you know, everyone has it in some way, right? Like there's, there's all kinds of different things that we work through and some traumas are big or small. So I know that there's a number of things that you do to help people. Can you talk about your services? And I'd love to know how you got your daughter as your head therapist. That's amazing. So let me start with our daughter because that's a real heartwarming story, guys, for anybody who's lost the children and dream of getting them back. Mm. It happens if you do the right thing. So I'm working with people. I'm, I'm just free of charge when I came over here. Um, and then about four years ago, I got a message on Facebook Messenger at three or four o'clock in the morning. Now, because of the patients I see, I always pick it up if it wakes me up. And it, and it, and it was Charlie Kelly. That's my daughter. And I, I woke my wife up and says, it's Charlie, it's Charlie, it's Charlie, Charlie. I was freaking out, I was freaking out. And we pressed and said something like, Dad, you know, I saw you on TV over here. 
You're doing really well for yourself. I don't believe what everyone told me about you. I've, I've studied alcoholism. Can we, can we get in touch? Can we meet? So within 24 hours, we're on the plane back to Manchester. And I've got to tell you, you know, I was so nervous. And we got to the door, and this is the self-sabotaging old behavior. Before we knocked on the door, all them thoughts came back. What sort of father was you? Where was you when, when she first rode a bike? Where was you when you first went to school? All this stuff. Where was you for her birth, first boyfriend? You did not protect her. And I didn't have to knock and she opened the door, which surprised me a little bit. I wasn't ready psychologically for it. And we hugged and we cried and my wife was with me and she cried and, and, I, and I come back and I'm just going to say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But then she walked, she said, Dad, I've got something to show you. Because that's what she said on the text, I've got good news for, you know. So we walked into her living room, dining room, and she handed me my three-month-old granddaughter. Right there and then, if I'd have been taken by God or any, I'd have been a happy man. Because everything I've done, everything I've fought against, everything we believe in, the medical fraternity laughed at us and said we were, we were just idiots, that what we believed and what would happen. Every, the fight, every negative comment, every snub off the medical fraternity, everything came to fruition. And that the place right there is, it was the end for me. I think this is it, the happiest person in the world. But she said to me, Dad, I want to go back to school and learn what you know. So, she first of all became an NLP practitioner, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And now she's studying for a PhD. But two years ago, she finished an NLP. It was a two year course. And she, and she opened my Manchester office in the UK as my lead therapist. And we talk every day and I visit two or three times a year. And it's just amazing. So it comes if you do the right thing, guys. And there's no, there's no, I can't do it. It never happens to me. I'm going to explain why that happens because it's not true. Okay. It's not true. It's core beliefs. Not true. Okay. What we use is neuro-linguistic programming. We use brain spotting, which is the latest technique that goes from the pupils into the subconscious brain. Cognitive therapy comes like in the outside of the brain, you know, the cognitive part of the brain. Brain spotting goes through the eyes, the pupil into the subconscious brain. Now the eyes are part of the brain. It's not an eye separate optical cord brain. They bulged out as we, as we started to transform many, 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 many years ago. So the direct correlation through the, through the pupil into the subconscious brain, which brings out trauma that you're not even thinking of. We use somatic experience, which basically it's been around for years. It's, it's listening to what the body's telling you. The body will tell you quicker than the brain will tell you, but you have to realize. So the easiest one to explain is the gut feeling. The gut feeling is real. You know, back in the tribal days, one of the tribesmen will get a gut feeling, which means there was danger near. You always go for the gut. When you have two decisions, go for the gut feeling. It's right every single time. So we use normal psychology, addictive psychology. We use psychotherapy. Uh, and between all of those, uh, it's one hour a day, telehealth only right now. Well, since eight years ago, two years ago, we brought it all back, back into one office. And we do telehealth only. It's a 90-day program, one hour a day, five days with me, two days with my psychotherapist or coaches or therapists and uh, we guarantee that you will stop drinking and using we guarantee that you will go on to have a successful life to the point nobody else in the world does this is we offer a money-back guarantee if you relapse whilst following our program unheard of you see we have found the key 
to success. Most of my patients right now, I only take on five patients every 90 days. Three of them patients are non-alcoholic or no drug addicts. They're people who want to change their lives. And it's all about the way the brain works. It's all about negative trauma driving our neural pathways, which are our uh, thought patterns and therefore behaviors. We rewire the brain. So away from 80% negative, 20% good, we change it to 80% good, 20% negative. So mm -hmm. you can have that job. You can date that girl. It's all possible. And I'll explain later why that is. But don't sit there and think that this is not possible. Look at him. He's okay. He's made him. I made myself by a couple of things. Doing the right thing, working on my childhood trauma, and giving money back to the community. $100,000 out of me and my wife's pocket. Not the foundation, our pocket. So the book sales, the foundation, they give another half a million dollars out every single year. Now, you must be a one-parent family, wanting your kids back, wanting an apartment, want a car. A guy that's been left with the children wants a suit or not been left with the children, needs a suit for court, needs an attorney. This is what we spend our money on. And I once got told by an old man that you never go broke by giving away. And that seems to be the key to life. Oh my gosh. There is, there is something that is tremendously gratifying when it's not just about you, you know, and, and it's, that's the kind of addiction, you know, that you want to feel is the one that is helping others and helping them to thrive. One of the things that you mentioned that I thought was so important that stuck with me was not just helping the individual, right? Because that is the accountability, that is the person, but also their environment. Who, who is around them, whether that's a significant other, whether that's family. So how does that fit into this program? If someone's coming to you for 90 days, what does those environmental pieces look like? Is that something that you coach on specifically? Yeah, definitely. If, if, if Let's say, for instance, a married couple with a 19-year-old daughter. When the guy comes to us, the wife and the daughter in the same house must come on the program. If they don't, we don't touch it. You see, when the family is involved in, let's say it's the man, it's not always the man, in the journey to, to recover, uh, when the family's involved, the success rate goes up by 42%. This is where we're getting our figures from over the last 10 years. So the saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, is very important because if I... If I hang around with nine depressed people, I will become the 10th. If I hang around nine successful people, I will become the 10th. It's the mirroring part of the brain. It picks up from human beings one to the other. Have you ever met somebody go, God, I really like this guy. And, you know, not in a sexual way, but this guy, I'm just, it's, it's unbelievable. That's the mirroring part of the brain. You won't be able to explain why you want to be with this guy or in his surroundings. It's just the mirroring part of the brain. They have something that you want desperately. So, mm -hmm. We focus on the wife's trauma. And what we get first time off the wife is, well, it's got nothing to do with me. He's the one that drinks and comes home violently, you know, and the kids see everything. And we go, okay, let me, first of all, it's not about your husband. This is about you. Well, I don't have any trauma. Well, first of all, everyone has trauma. Everybody, okay? Addicts and alcoholics have trauma more, because no little T's or big T's, because they're more sensitive. The brain reacts, three parts in the brain that differ from the actual normal person. But when we get involved, the family, it's like, if you can imagine two houses, 
and this one speaks Japanese, this one speaks English, and we pick the husband out and we put him in, in our program and we teach him a whole different language for recovery. So, so let's say it's English. So you've got Japanese house, English speaking house. When we're done with him, we put him back in the Japanese speaking house. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to start speaking Japanese again. So we have to educate both houses to be on the same uh, English talking, for instance, it's the same language for it to work. And uh, <clears throat> we sometimes tell the wife to leave. If the husband keeps backing out, keeps the same, doesn't want to change, we say, get the get wifey, get the kids and leave the house now. Go. He's not going to change. It will end in somebody dying. And 100% times the truth. You see, I don't run a bakery, so I don't sugarcoat shit. This disease kills more people than anything else put together, but the figures are not being reported. Like we did a weekend in a hospital, and we were, we were allowed to know everybody coming through because mm -hmm. of my licensing as a doctor. Uh, 89, 90% of people coming through the ER doors in Richardson, Dallas, Texas, were, were influenced by uh, alcohol or drugs. 40% of them to extent when they were unconscious. So 40%, 7% died that weekend. But it was never reported as drug overdosing. It was never reported as alcoholism. What it was down is liver failure, car crash. You know, all this stuff that they put down, nothing goes down. So the, the, the figures that you see on the internet are not true. You need to times them by 10 at least to find out the real problem. You see, everybody knows somebody who suffers from some kind of addiction. Everybody does. And you know something? If you don't, it's probably you. It's as simple as that. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's staggering. It's staggering when we say it like that because I see news headlines all the time. There was a, <sighs> one that I saw the other day, and it was someone who crashed into a tree, and every person in the car died. And I'm like, how do you crash into a tree? Like, yeah, yeah it's all down to uh, alcohol, drugs, trauma, all the stuff we go through. Because, you know, everyone's got their own stuff going on in life. Everyone has problems. Everybody has trauma. And if you don't, if you don't deal with your trauma, your childhood trauma, uh, and it looks in all forms, by the way, it's not a car crash, not a plane crash. You know, it could be easy. Like my mom said to me is how many times Robert ever told you you can't go to college, you're too stupid. That killed me. That was worse than a plane crash or a car crash for me because that mm -hmm. scarred me for life, still does now. Yeah. You know, when I'm going to do something big, I hear my mom's voice saying, you're stupid, you can't go on to do that. So you have to look at the trauma itself. Most people have come from a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. uh, can't tell the difference. The same neural pathways for love as it is for anger as it is for hate, as it is for relationships. They're all entwined and you have to start picking that trauma apart. And when you see that, uncover, discover, discard of that trauma, it frees you up to start being that million dollar brain that you was born at. Because remember when we were kids, guys, throw football over here, but our home used to kick a, a soccer ball and we'd go, hey Jimmy, what do you want to be when you grow up? You go, I want to be a pilot. What about you, Billy? I want to be a professional football player. You know what happened to them dreams? I'll tell you. They were kicked out of us by our family and friends. That's what happens with life. Oh, you know, oh, oh, you can't. Uh, says who? Yep. That's what Biggie's saying. Says, says who? Well, yep. this is why I'm married. Supposed to be. Says who? Who's making these freaking rules up? Because I don't like them. So you mm -hmm. can do anything. Quantum physics backs our theory up. 
that you can be anything, do anything, be anything that you want to be. You want to be the greatest father in the world? It's open. I'm the best addiction doctor in the world. Prove me wrong. You can't do that. Mm. So what I will say is a couple of things. That money does not make you happy. It will never make you happy, believe me. I think it was Jay-Z that says more money, more problems, more biggie. More money, more problems. So true, okay? And the other thing is money doesn't change you. If you're a dick when you're poor, you're going to be a dick when you're rich. And it people, makes you more of who you are, right? Exactly. It just exaggerates all your flaws. So if you're a kind <laughs> person when you're broke, you're a kind person when you are rich. And yeah. that, that's just life. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever seen someone go through your program and either quit or you tell them that they can't continue? Or does everyone... I'm known for get the F out of my office if you're messing me around. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the doctor, guys, think back, that turned down Britney Spears in Dallas, Texas, in Campese's restaurant for a million dollars. I couldn't work with him. I walked out and her father, Jamie, and a bodyguard stood up and says, we're not going to let you leave. And he has to work with her. And uh, I, I left and said, I can't work with her. So the next day, she's shaving her head off in the papers and acting crazy. It's like, you can't buy our services We've turned down millions of dollars for a month. If you're not ready, we're not taking you on. See, one of my biggest bugbears is when certain treatment centers take little Billy in, you know, they relapse, take him back in for the same 30 grand, and a couple of months later, take him back in. Shame on you. You know, shame on you. What are you teaching? So we're not going to let you spend your money unless we can guarantee that your son, your wife, your daughter, your, your, your sister, whatever, can recover fully and get their life back on track. You know, we will not do it. So, yes, we turn people down. Yes, it's a hard program. So if we misinterpret uh, the assessment and we get it wrong, then people start lying and making stuff up because we'll we'll put a private detective on you. You say you went to the gym and trade and you didn't. We'll, we'll get a private detective and follow you. And if you didn't go to the gym, we'll fire you. I think we're the only company that fires people. You don't get any money back, by the way. It's very expensive to come here. But if you mess up, you don't get a refund. Go away, your mom spent $60,000 or something. You know, you're not going to get a refund because yeah. you, you're not doing as we tell you to do. See, a normal therapist, you know, how are you feeling about when he said that? How did you feel about that? That's bullshit. We tell you how you feel until you get your feelings back. You see, there's three types in the brain that, 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 that are wrong with the addicts and alcoholics is the hypothalamus, which is our survival instinct part of the brain, that to an alcoholic after a certain part of drinking, when they turn into chronic alcoholism, tells that guy to drink alcohol. That's why alcoholics, including me, go days and weeks without food or water. The hypothalamus goes on childhood trauma. So we'll be doing great, everything's amazing, fantastic, and then we'll self-sabotage. We'll bring it all crashing down on us. And the amygdala, which is kind of our smoke alarm for the brain, but it's also picking up all that trauma and it's storing it in the subconscious brain. Yeah. That's the problem. Everything we see, hear, touch, feel is stored there. People go, oh, I can't remember. With the right person in front of you, with the right technique, you can remember everything. Don't mm -hmm. ever think you can't. But what happens is, is we stuff it down and we stuff it down. So if you've ever seen a deer being hit by a car but not die, what happens is freaking amazing. After a few seconds, it stands up and then it shakes violently for mm -hmm. about one or two seconds and three seconds. Then it runs up. The yep. trauma and the drama was cured there. So the next day, that bear might walk at the same time, the same road, the same car, be hit again. 
doesn't make any difference because it's got rid of that trauma. What we do, boys don't cry. Don't tell anybody outside the house. We stuff it down and stuff it down. And it's a bit like a zip file on your computer. You've got stuff you can't deal with right now. You click on it one day when you're bored and all this stuff comes at once and that's when the breakdown. That is a dark zip file. Oh my gosh. How many of those do we have? Now, you have people go through the program. They've got through the 90 days. They're showing you their improvement. What is that support and sustainability look like? Do you keep in touch with your patients? How do you know that their success isn't just a one hit wonder? What we do is is rather interesting. We do the 90 days and then they go down to three days for the next month. Then they okay. go down to one day a month for the month after. Then you're on one day a month for the next two to five years with us. Uh, and that's how, we, that's how we follow our progress. So you can call us 24 hours a day. Well, if we're sleeping, you can't, but we say 24 hours. Uh, if you're an ex-patient and we will spend hours talking with you, we'll bring you back and either refund you or keep you in our program for a bit longer, no charge. And we monitor you through. So the guys that want to build their own business, I mean, we go far beyond. We can build a website, we get the domain name, we get the business cards, we get contacts. I mean, they're an operative part of human society when they leave us because they've got something to live for and we've rewired the brain to make the impossible Possible. So when somebody says impossible, what we say is we, we do that. And what are you throwing at me? We're throwing an apostrophe. Put it between the I and the M because I'm possible today. Nothing is impossible. And you know, years ago, I used to get, well, I can't be president of the United States. Really? We just had a, forget your political views, guys. We had a businessman running the country. Don't tell me. With no political no knowledge whatsoever. Don't tell me you can't do anything. Get that job. Get that girl. But don't tell me you can't do it. Mm. The only warning I'll give you is you don't have time. Yeah. Mom, remember taking your, your kids to kindergarten? Next minute we're going to college. You don't have time. So do it now. You want to start that business? Do it now. You want to marry that girl? Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're 65 to retire and enjoy life. That's bullshit. Yeah. Enjoy life now. We'll put a little bit away, but I'm going to abroad three times a year. I'm going to put $200 a month away or whatever. Live it now, guys. I've had yeah. so many people around with it that even uh, my wife's mom and dad, they saved and saved and saved and saved for retirement. Four years yeah. before they retired, mom got Alzheimer's. Two years after that, dad died. Of, they call it a broken heart. It's deeper than that. They call it a broken heart. You know, they yeah. left $1.8 million in the bank accounts. Oh my gosh. What you don't heck? take it with you. You don't take it with you. Exactly. So you have to start living life. If you want to be a manager or you want to be a great road sweeper, start acting like you already are. Quantum physics will back this up. Start walking like a leader. Start talking like a leader. If you're on 50 grand a year and you want to earn 70, hang around the guys that earn 70. Get rid of them guys that are negative. You know, then get, oh, you're a waste of time. Ha, <laughs> I was just joking. They're not joking. They're jealous, get rid of them. If you yeah. have one, one person in your circle, and by the way, if you have more than five people in your circle, you have at least one hanger on, you know, get that close circle around you that support you and you support them and watch yourself grow. You want to change your neural pathway thinking tomorrow? This is how quick it is. Get up in the morning, before you brush your teeth with your right hand, brush with your left. The neural pathways are changing straight away. Now you've changed something in the head. There are billions, but you've changed. Go to work in a different direction. You know, you always wear a suit, wear a shirt, and not a jacket. 
just change them daily routines. Because if you do the same thing every day, you become stagnant and nothing happens in your life. Mm-hmm. Step out of the comfort zone, guys. There's not one successful people that made it in their comfort zone. Okay? So listen to this. Back in England, Manchester, in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a girl snatched off the side of the road. 16 years old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed schoolgirl. There was a massive manhunt, and they couldn't find her. So they called the manhunt off. Nine months later, a police car down a country road follows another car that had a broken light at the back. He pulled him over. This is back in the day. You don't need a warrant. He searched the car, and he found a stolen screwdriver. And he admitted he'd stolen it. So now they're allowed to go up to the house. Sure enough, there were lawnmowers stolen, there were drills stolen, there was all sorts of stuff stolen. On the way out, while I was still searching, one officer noticed that there's a huge box in the corner, four foot high by 12 foot wide. And they said, we know you've got more stolen stuff in there. And he said, I don't know anything about that box, but they smashed the lock off and there was the girl that went missing nine months before. She was beaten, she was battered, she was alive, but used to get out every day, restroom, feed, abused back in the box restroom fit for nine months guys so when the police woman police officer went over to grab her hand she helped this young girl step outside the box she took her coat off and she put it around this girl what's the first thing she did guys she got back in the box that's what we do with life we go back to that even though it hurts us even though it's terrifying we go back to that comfort zone all the time we stay in that abusive relationship far longer than we should do we stay it becomes a comfort zone get out that box smash the box up and start living life today don't part with that shit anymore well that says who make your own rules make your own life and if you've got a great partner make your own future you can do anything that what you want to do and you can become anything you want to be a millionaire? It's not that hard these days. The, the problem being is staying sane while you do it. You know, don't let money go to your head and rule your stuff, you know. Be kind, be considerate. Always give back. And you can become anybody you want. So on a basketball court, quantum physics tells me I could be 12 places at the same time. Nothing's really solid. So if I can visualize myself on a basketball, try this, guys, close your eyes. Imagine yourself on a basketball court in 12 different positions. Quantum physics and real science says you can do this. Okay, Rob, where do you want to be out of them 12 people? I want to be near the goal so I can get the ball. I can slam it in the net like I've seen. I've never played baseball. Slam it in the net and become the hero of the game. Brilliant. Can you see yourself doing that? Yes. But how do I get there? Here's the answer. You walk over and you take that position. You don't beg for it. You don't crawl for it. You walk over because you've already seen yourself doing it and you take that position. That goes to anything in life. Mm. Talking, speaking like the person you want to be, as if you're in a movie or something. Yep. Brain will pick that up and your pathways, the energy will pick that up and the mind will drive that. The mind sits inside the brain. It's not part of the brain. I've made my mind up to do something then the energy comes out and off you go. Believe. Don't hang around with people that say you can't do. Get rid of them toxic people. Step aside, Steph Curry. Yes. I'm about to mess this court up right now. You don't even Ooh. know. Boom. I People need to, I mean, that's that's such a great me- Smash the fucking box. Yes. Probably what we need to call this episode. Just smash the fucking box, right? Yes. I mean, that's that. But you're so right. We're creatures of habit. 
And it's funny you mentioned that whole thing about taking yeah. a new direction. I was so fed up with the traffic leaving the, the, the kickboxing studio the other day. I just turned on a street. I had no idea. I had no idea if there was going to be a dead end on the other side, but the only way I was going to find out was to take a different street. Yeah. And I found the opening. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to try more of this because exactly. there's always a way to get what you want. And I can't say enough in agreement with you about vis yeah. visualization. If you can go every day yeah. visualizing what you want, yeah. it's it's incredible what we're capable of. Steps to do it, move in that direction, believe you're already there. It's like people don't even know how repetitive there always are in situations. So remember being at school, when you take a bus to the seaside, you know, your class might go to the seaside for the day. You get on the bus, you go down there, you know, guys go out for a drunken afternoon down to the beach somewhere. When you get off and have the great fun, what seat do you sit in when you get back on the bus? The same that you traveled there. That's all behavior. That's self-sabotaging behavior. Sit in another freaking seat, guys. Right? It's so true. Well, I know you mentioned this, you know, talking about the trauma that you've had, things that you've had to work through. If you had to say, what's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough, you know, because that's what I took from childhood. I was never good enough. My dad never hugged me, told me he loved me. I did some amazing things as a kid musician. I played at Abbey Road. I played sessions with Elton John, David Bowie and Queen. You know, my dad never said good job, never. Mum was not really interested in what I did. Bodybuilding, me the karate things that I won as a kid, never acknowledged. So still today, sometimes before I walk onto a big show, we did a show that was several times, I'm getting out to about 8 million people, you're not good enough. It always comes to me before I go on. You are good enough. You really are. So I want to apologize if you feel like that, because again, somebody's put that there. That's not how we're supposed to live, guys. Go back, do your trauma. Get rid of that stuff, uncover, discover, discard, and start doing things today, okay? Today, don't wait till tomorrow. You know, if I'm sat in on the living room and watching TV with my wife, I've got a big bag of chips here and a big mug of Coke, and I turn to my wife and go, you know something, I think I'll hit the gym tomorrow. I ain't going to the fucking gym tomorrow. Go to the gym. I know. But you know something? If you put your coat down and your chips for a minute, you walk into the bedroom, you put your sneakers, your T-shirt, your shorts and your towel, you walk over to the front door and stick that bag in the front door, there's a 97% chance of you going to the gym tomorrow. It's all within that 7.3 second time where the neural pathways can split. You have a couple of seconds to realize which one you want to take. Stop sitting back on the seat on the bus. Stop it. You know, you know at the end of every episode, after I do a reflection, the thing that I always say is you are your only limit. So take action today, today, because that's the, I think that's the thing, you know, I, I feel as if there is not enough urgency. There's a lot of complacency, not enough urgency. And it just takes that action one step in front of the other. But I think often it's people are looking at a destination yes. versus the journey and that's, it, it holds them back. Because 100%, 100%, stop focusing on the destination because you're missing out in the journey. Stop focusing on that money because there's flowers and bees to see on the way there. That journey is beautiful. Remember the drug addict, the most intoxicating part between one a drink, one a drug and taking the drug. The journey, no matter how bad it is, 
the journey you enjoy, but do something every day towards that um, that that thing you want to be, towards that manager or whatever, CEO or whatever, because the only difference between you, who's sat at home, not really got a job, and the guy around the corner driving the Porsche 911 and, and CEO of that company, is he believed he can do it. Mm. And, and, and you don't. You see, college degrees used to be a great ROI. Today, they're not worth crap. That's what they're not worth. Most companies prefer if you didn't have a PhD or a master's. Nobody cries anymore. Uh, Elon Musk, you don't need a, you know, a degree to work at his top level. You don't need it today. So start believing. Start that position. Start that part-time company. Well, I want to start a, a mobile de detail cop. Start with the car. Put some stuff in it. Start advertising. Get the website, Facebook. Go out and do one job. See if you feel different. That little part-time job that earns you $200 a month then turns out to the empire that you build and start franchising. But guys, don't build businesses, guys. Build empires. Build empires. Oh, my gosh. And the only oh. difference between the two is limited belief. Any fucking body can start a business. You get a, a business card on a website. I have a business. Build a fucking empire, guys. And That's smash it. The old, old family, anything behind you, and smash it and make a difference. Make a difference in this world. If you're not changing the world on a daily basis, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I can change the world right now. I walk out to the, the out the office and there's loads of people, and I say to somebody, "Hey, nice sneakers, man." And he goes, "Oh, thank you." As he walks past you, look around. He's going to look down at his sneakers at least two times. Now you've made his day. So he goes on to the wife, and because he's in a good mood, because you come, now the wife's in a good mood, because he's in, then mom calls. Now mom's in a good mood, because you just changed the world, guys. For what? Nice sneakers? So come yeah. on, let's get on board. <laughs> it's a domino effect. It is. And I think that's one of the biggest things why I commend what you do, because the journey doesn't stop when a program is complete. You really watch people thrive. <laughs> through the actions that they want to take for their future and not just for today. That's a big difference in what you do. And I think that is the reason for the sustained success is because you have that commitment to the people that you work with, which is incredible. So the question is, how do people connect with you? How do they find services and keep up with what Rob Kelly Recovery Group is doing? Well, if for those who are listening, not watching, I spell my name with two Bs. So it's R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com is the website. Jump on, give us a message, say hi. There's actually a, a button on there. If you press, you come directly to my to my cell phone. So try that. Any search engine, Dr. Rob, R-O-B-B, Kelly, uh, will we'll bring pages and pages up about us. And, and listen, guys, I want to say something. I'm speaking to the guys and girls I sat at home now. They're in a one-bedroom apartment they can't really afford. They don't think they have a future or you can't stop drinking and drugging. You know, I want you to call me 214-600-0210. is my personal cell phone number. It's always best to text, you know, and this is what's going to happen. When you text me, I'm going to text back with the time to call you. When I call you, I'm going to have a 10-minute pep talk that will change your life. And you know I'm not confident about that. If it doesn't, I'm going to send you $100 for your time, okay? So if you're in that position, I would rather spend 10 minutes in a daytime speaking and inspiring you than hear of your funeral next month. This is doable. I'm in the trenches. You look online, you see the big houses, the cars, the Rolex watches, all that stuff. That keeps my wife happy and pays the mortgage. 
me, I'm still that guy on the street. I'm, I want to be the Derek to you guys. I want to be the John to you guys. And don't for a second think, oh, I can't be bothered. He's not going to want to speak to me. You're wrong. Everybody's got a story. And I can change. I can, I can rewire your brain in 10 minutes. So jump on. Let's do it as a team and move forward, guys. Because I've, I've worked with 8,000-ish people right now. Before I die, I want to work with 100,000 people. Wow. Yeah? So it's never going to cost you anything. We're never going to charge you. Again, you have to earn our service. You can't buy them. But call up for that chat, guys, because I'd love to help you. You would be making my day. I've got to tell you, man. Well, that's a fucking mic drop. If I Boom, ever baby. <coughs> oh, my God. Come on. I, I'm so, like I said, I'm so blown away about everything that you do. And I'm just so grateful for it. And you're right, because that energy, this conversation is going to feed the rest of my day. Oh. And that's, right? That's all <coughs> touching. that energy that you, that you pay forward in every interaction that you do. And I think that's one of the big takeaways from this conversation. When people underestimate the power of their influence is the way that you engage, even if it's only seconds for people in the world and in this universe, can change the direction of their day, of their mood, of their feelings, of what they're going to do next. If there's one thing that you do today, think about that. As you make your next phone call, as you walk out of the house, as you have that next interaction, because it's possible for you to have that kind of impact, right? I mean, well, we never know, you know? I mean, I was at a meeting once and I was teaching and working with these guys at an AA meeting and uh, I wasn't getting anywhere. People were moaning, who does he think he is, all that stuff. So we had a meeting, uh, it was a speaker meeting uh, where they get people up, you know, for 10 minutes to talk. And I got up first and there's a hundred people in the room. And I said, you know something, I'm pissed we're doing all this shit. Nobody cares. All these people, old timers are moaning at me. I'm just sick of coming in here every single day and working with people because it's going nowhere. And I dropped the mic, literally dropped it in disgust and walked off and I sat at the back of the room. And I, wait, I was waiting for somebody to say something, I'm going to kill him. This old man that used to get there at 5.30 and then 6 o'clock in the morning, make tea for everybody. The meeting wasn't until 7. He'd sweep the floors and all that. And he got up, he had this walking stick. And he click, click, click. You could hear a pin drop. He got on stage and he bent down and he picked the mic up. And he said, let me ask you something, guys. All those people that have been affected by what Rob's been doing here and influenced by what who he is, stand up. There's 100 people in the room here and 15 people stood up. And I'm just about to say, what did I tell you? And then he said, for those guys that are still sat down, was you influenced by the guys already stood up and another 10 stood up? And he kept saying that until the whole room was stood up. And he said to me, never underestimate the power that we all have to influence others. And I cried and cried in front of grown men. I never forgot that. So you never know the power you have. I don't care who you are, what you're doing, any life, I don't care. There's somebody looking up to you. And we need to stand up and be men, stand up and be women, stand up and lead. The world needs leaders, guys, right now. And if you're listening to this program, it's you I'm talking to. Well, I can't be, it's you I'm talking to. Why can't you be a leader? Do something today. Help others. It's not about you. It's not about me. You know, it's about other people. How many people can you influence? When you compliment somebody, dopamine's released into my brain. It's a good feel chemical. I love that. Compliment three people every day. Get them four chemicals every day in the brain going. And then you will live a long, successful, healthy. Because all the neural pathways 
for health, wealth, success, best father, all that stuff, is already built inside the brain, okay? What we do is we connect the neural pathways to the already fixed. So yeah, you can do anything and yeah, you can be anybody you want. Thank you so much for inspiring me and everyone listening. You're sensational. I can't wait for us to meet in person because I know that the the energy is going to be out of the world. But for those listening, I will make sure just so you have it in writing, in addition to hearing it, if you need to rewind it, I'll put Rob's information in the show notes so you can reach out, check him out. You will not be disappointed by the ongoing inspiration because it is. It's not just who we have immediately in our orbit every day, but it's who we choose to listen to, who we choose to read, who we choose to make decisions that are influencing us on a daily basis. And this is the kind of energy, the kind of positivity and the kind of emotion that you want to be around. So Rob, thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. and I can't wait to meet you. Oh, awesome. Episode 154 with Dr. Rob Kelly, addiction expert on the books. That is our first episode of May. As I mentioned, took a little break at the beginning of May, didn't disappear on you, but a girl had to work on her health and her wealth and get really laser focused. And I have more energy than ever. It has been one of the busiest months I've ever had. And that is a good thing. That is a blessing. That is an absolute blessing. I love to be here for you, to inspire you, encourage you, and give you just a little bit of a pep in your step. And I know that I am absolutely having a little bit more hop in my step after talking to Dr. Rob Kelly. His energy is out of this world. His belief in people is amazing. And the thing about him is that talk about seeing transformation. He gets to see and engage with people who have no hope, who feel lost and broken and beaten and bruised and battered and traumatized. And he works through all of those things that he mentioned through your neuro pathways, through the language, through the thinking, through the action, and that's what it takes. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, like it's impossible, just remember, I'm possible. Remember those amazing things that he shared with us today, because attitude is everything. It starts with the way you talk to yourself, the way you encourage yourself, because that's what you're gonna emanate out there in the world. Change someone's life today. That is the message. Change someone's life today by how you show up, how you interact, how you speak, how you smile. It makes all the world of difference. Imagine a person that's out there right now that is feeling down, downtrodden, trampled on like the world is against them your one interaction can change their perspective and their outlook not just today but even for tomorrow as i always say remember that you are your only limit so take action today thank you for tuning in thanks for being here with me we're celebrating spring we're celebrating growth we're celebrating transformation 
That's right. So come back again next time. I'll be here with an, another incredible guest or another incredible topic to share with you. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts if you are an Apple listener and rate and review the show. I would highly appreciate it. And lastly, make sure to share this episode with someone who could use the inspiration. All right, I'll see you next time.